Welcome to Living Fit with your host, Pam Greshock. That's me, where I believe that we can live fit at any age. Let's get to the conversation. Dr. Alcatab, how are you? I'm good, Pam. How are you? (laughs) Good. I'm so glad that you came on here. Actually, I told you before we kind of started this that um, I know that you're a busy, busy guy, and I feel super honored that you came in, truly. Thank you very much. Well, I I wanted to make time for you because I think your message is important. Thank you so much. Um, So I wanted to bring you on. First of all, this is the first of a few doctor series, and you happen to be my favorite doctor. (laughs) So you have to be be first, and it's heart month, Mm -hmm. and you happen to be a cardiologist. Yes, Mm ma'am. Always have been. Okay, so real quickly, well, I don't really know. You guys, quick backstory, really quickly, is how I know Dr. Alcatab. I actually work for Dr. Alcatab. I'm the director of his cardiac rehab that we'll talk about at the end of this. Um, but when I started here, I didn't really know, I had not, luckily I'd never seen, I had never had to see a cardiologist before, so I didn't know there was a difference in cardiology. So you specialize in certain things, like are there different, so what's your... Yeah, so uh, to become a cardiologist, you first have to go through uh, training uh, to be an internist, so you mm-hmm. do a residency in internal medicine, uh, hopefully you become board certified in internal medicine, and then as a subspecialty you uh, specialize in the heart. And that is another three years of training. Mm -hmm. But, you know, now the heart and medicine has become so complicated and specialized that there are, even within that field, multiple specialties. So you have the electrophysiologist to deal with heart rhythm Mm -hmm. and abnormal heart rhythms and how you treat them. And you also have the interventional cardiologist like myself we deal more with patients who have blockages and need them to be open and have stents and treating heart attacks. Uh, and there are others that deal with heart failure, so forth and so on. But that doesn't mean that as a, an interventional cardiologist, I'm not, I don't treat uh, um, all kinds of patients with, with heart disease, but that happens to be an additional special skill, uh, those who do intervention. Okay, so where did you go to school? Because some of the people might want to know. Because some people that are going to listen to this will know yeah. you. So I, I did medical school uh, in Syria, mm-hmm. which is now going through a very uh, rough time. Um, uh, but I, uh, when I came to the United States, I was uh, very blessed and lucky to go to the Cleveland Clinic, mm-hmm. uh, one of the best uh, hospitals for cardiac care for over 20 years at this point. So that definitely enhanced my interest in, in cardiology, and I moved them a lot. I went to the University of Connecticut uh, to do my cardiovascular uh, training, and then I went to Boston University to do my interventional training, and then came back here. And here you are. Here I am. In Michigan. In Michigan. Yes. In Genesee yes. County, for those that don't know. Yes. Genesee yes. County, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. So um, for Heart Month, I think we'll kind of just start off for... You have a lot of different, you wear a lot of hats. And so, mm-hmm. that, again, that's why I'm so fortunate that you decided to take time today and grateful. Um, but we'll just really talk about some basics. So for my listeners, um, you know, a lot of them are exercising, um, but some of us are a little bit nervous about our heart. And we don't know, like, certain numbers and things like that. So really basic, yeah. real basic. So what are, like, numbers we should look for for maybe lipids or blood pressure um, so we can start there? Yeah, the best way to treat heart disease, as mm-hmm. you're trying to allude to, is to not let it happen. Sure. And uh, if you ask me, people ask, what is a modifiable risk factor versus a non-modifiable risk factor? Mm-hmm. And the most important non-modifiable risk factor is age. 
age. So while everybody knows that it's wonderful to eat well or mm -hmm. eat healthy and exercise, there are other things that you have to watch out for as we age. Mm -hmm. One of these, some of these things are not exactly under our control because our genetics predisposes to them, such as very bad cholesterol, such as high blood pressure, which is extremely prevalent. Yeah. Whether you are someone who eats well and exercises or not, you are a pro you know, prone to that potentially. Yeah. And then finally, patients who uh, could be also predisposed to diabetes. Okay. So at a certain time, you have to get checked for all these things besides the modifiable stuff that you can do, which is follow yeah. uh, someone like yourself, you know, with good, uh, you know, uh, training and exercise habits and uh, nutrition as well. Okay. So, so you're saying like genetics, obviously come into a big play and you know I've heard the term out of here this term like genetics load the gun and lifestyle mm -hmm. pull the trigger kind yeah, of thing perfect yes okay. perfectly so so there's some preventative things you could do on your side but if somebody's looking at numbers because people ask me this because guys I do, I do run yeah. the cardiac rehab yes. Yes. they'll say what's a good blood pressure for me to be at yes. Um, and sometimes I have to go back and say, I'm not a doctor or a nurse. I'm right. a director of a cardiac rehab. <laughs> so there's certain, I mean, well, I know those Well, that's humble of you. That's yes. humble of you. I'm sure you do know the numbers. <laughs> but for the public, we are, uh, our guidelines say that we should treat blood pressure when it exceeds 140 over 90. 140 over 90. That doesn't mean that having a blood pressure of 139 all the time is actually <laughs> healthy. A perfect blood pressure should be 120 over 80. But let's be honest, many people don't attain that. Sure. And many people don't feel well with a blood pressure less than that. Okay. So this, it's always wrong to say that one size fits all. I love that. It isn't. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we want to remember a number to go by, it has to be less than 140 for systolic over 90 for diastolic. Okay. That's a general idea. So that's, that's less than, and you're saying like treat each person. I love when doctors say that actually like treat each person as an individual because somebody else might feel good at a certain level. In fact, in the future, and, and that future might not be that far, well, who knows, cost prohibitive, mm -hmm. you know, we will be able to have our genetics examined to know what is perfect for us. Yeah. And I think when I teach uh, medical students and residents, I always tell them there is no dogma in medicine. What was right five years ago mm -hmm. may very well not be true in a year from now. Our, you know, uh, research leads us to always new convictions and so forth and so on. Yeah. And then, so that's blood pressure. And then what about cholesterol? Because yeah. I know you mentioned that. And that's yeah. a big thing for people. Like what's the LDL and HDL? And yeah. In my mind, it's actually the biggest thing. Yeah. Because our classic teaching that lower is better. Mm -hmm. But the guidelines for cholesterol, which let me explain when I say guidelines, that's always built on number of research and consensus opinion of experts over years and multiple trials that led them to those guidelines. Mm -hmm. And this is why those guidelines always get updated because new evidence comes by. But where we stand right now that you cannot tell someone this is the most ideal cholesterol for you without knowing their blood pressure, mm -hmm. their age, their other risk factors. Okay. So it's a moving target. Yeah. But in general, let's say someone is healthy, young, and they don't have any problem, um, you know, we, we like to see the bad cholesterol, the low-density lipoprotein, LDL, mm -hmm. uh, you know, less than 100 if possible. But that doesn't mean that we start treatment if someone is completely healthy, even if the level is much higher than that. Okay. We also have to take into consideration their good cholesterol, because the higher the good cholesterol is, the better 
you know, that will negate the risk of the other one. And the total cholesterol will be higher because the higher was... Yeah, yeah. this is the biggest yeah. problem I have when people look at that total number. Mm -hmm. And that number is only meaningful in reference to the other numbers. Sure. It's actually, by itself, to me, is meaningless. Yeah. I think you need to know all the other numbers in between. The one thing that creates a, a higher good cholesterol, the only proven way to get a higher good cholesterol mm -hmm. is what you do, you know, daily exercise. Yeah. That is one thing that naturally will increase the good cholesterol. Consistency over intensity. Yes. Exercise every day. Yes. <laughs> At yes. least do something. Um, no, I actually, I love the answer and, and that's one reason why I got along with Dr. Alcatab right away um, is because of his, his answers like that, like you are not dogmatic about one way. You're very open to, okay, well, this can change and this can change. Um, but obviously, you have your areas of specialty. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so we kind of love answers like that. <laughs> well, I think care, uh, well, if we're talking about, about patients or interacting with mm -hmm. uh, people that have questions, uh, there is such thing in medicine that's called shared decision-making. Mm -hmm. And I think most decisions should be led that way, mm -hmm. where there's a, a buy-in from the individual, and an advice or a recommendation from the doctor. From the doctor. I love that. I've actually yeah. never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, decision making. It's big. Yeah. Well it's kinda of, <laughs> it's kinda of what you practice, but I guess like I guess somebody like myself is not gonna hear that term, maybe. You know, we might we might just kind of do that with our doctors. Sure. Yeah. So those are good those are good points. So let's kind of step into you already talked a little bit about the prevention yeah. of um, let's talk about the the signs of maybe a heart attack really quickly just real quickly because i know that's yeah. a pretty big question it is. um and my listeners might want to know that but they won't know intensity <laughs> well uh, so we say men are from uh, where mars women are from venus, venus. yeah are men from mars yeah okay all right yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> we're not we're not the same okay you know uh men have read the book mm -hmm. they come in with you know, substernal chest pain, which is pain in the middle of the chest, mm -hmm. sometimes radiating, God forbid, to their left arm, and it comes on with exertion. Okay. So, that's very scary. Yeah. If you're having discomfort in the chest with exertion, do not take that lightly. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, with ladies, mm -hmm. uh, it can be a very different story. Uh, it can be, you know, pain not necessarily in the middle of the chest. It can be a pain that um, uh, radiates to the right arm instead of the left arm. But I think the issue of a symptom with exertion yeah. is, is important. Yeah. And I think if you're able to exert yourself and not have that symptom, mm -hmm. that's a, always a good sign. I may or may not have texted him a couple of times asking <laughs> if he thought I was having a heart attack. He's like, She was not. No, I do not yeah. think you're having a heart yeah. attack, Pam. However, if you need to be seen, yeah. I can you're probably welcome. see you. Yeah. So I wasn't having a heart attack. Whew, thank yes, you. thank God. So yeah, so women can be a lot of different uh, different symptoms. Um, and Go it's, figure. A lot of times it's like anxiety or something. Um, but that's, that's a great point because, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I do read a lot of things. And I, I notice that they're kind of even studying men and women a lot differently and a lot more in areas, even in areas of muscle and, and muscle mass and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, and the benefits of men and women, because a lot of studies are always done on men. Yes. Yeah. So that's a good point. Yeah, the majority of trials include usually more men, but I think in the past decade we, we've been paying a lot more attention and I, I think there's there's been so much awareness that, you know, you have to pay attention to heart disease in women. Mm -hmm. I think the one uh, important point to your listeners from mm -hmm. what you've asked is 
it's the saddest thing when I see someone coming in late. Oh. They've, they've started having the symptoms and they waited and they waited and they waited 12 hours, 24 hours. Uh, we have a say in interventional cardiology that time is muscle. Oh. The yeah. later you present, the more muscle you have lost. Okay. And so it is always better to err on side of caution and, you know, make sure that uh, the symptoms you're feeling, if persistent, are, are looked at uh, quickly. Yeah. And that kind of actually kind of leads into something I'm a little bit passionate about. Um, you may or may not even know this. So um, I'm actually also a health coach and personal trainer and all these things by, by trade. I, I do know. Yeah. <laughs> but there, you know, I have the ability to run functional medicine testing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't ever really announce that. This is probably the first time I've ever actually said that because I don't believe in a lot of it because I think we can get too informed on some things that are very unnecessary. Um, and and I think we can look too deep into things and drive ourselves crazy because I know that I can do that even with the small numbers that I do know yeah. um, with the data. But sometimes in the functional medicine world, if you want to separate the two, which I don't think they should be, um, they will often say, you know, get all of these functional medicine tests run and then you have all of this information like things that we don't even know what to do with. Right. You know, I don't know how to read half of that stuff. So what's kind of your feeling on that? Like, uh, I... I I could not agree with you more in the sense that I tell my patients, you know, a lot of them do come to me, you know, somebody has a family history of heart disease and what have you, and says he wants to be preventative, and then I'll order a couple of tests, and then they'll ask me, well, what about A, B, C, and D? Sure. And I'll say... we heard it on the internet. I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, I said, well, these are all predictors of risk. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you this, what are you going to do with that information? 100%. You know, if there is not an actionable item, something I can do to modify your risk, mm -hmm. then why get it? Sure. Like if, if you found out that you are at higher risk, but you're already doing all the things that need to be done, mm -hmm. you're getting your cholesterol under good control, you don't have symptoms, mm -hmm. and you're exercising, what is the additional nature besides anxiety? Yeah. And anxiety is going to lead to actually a worse lifestyle, and it's going to lead to all sorts of symptoms. Remember, our mind can play a lot of tricks yeah. on us. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in just because I've, I've kind of went down that rabbit hole a couple of times, yeah. and it was not good for me. Yeah. And really, those basics, it's like, you know, let's just read the basics. Like you said, if you're doing everything you're supposed to do, then you can sleep well at night yeah. and say, okay, well. Much better. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that will lead me into the next thing we talked about before this is kind of prevention. Um, you know, you talked to touch on that, but what's your biggest advice for prevention outside? My listeners are going to know, you know, exercise and, and all of that. And there's certain general recommendations that we have, but are there anything outside of just, you know, general yeah, exercise? Respect the age. And okay. at a certain age, there are certain numbers that need to be looked at. Mm -hmm. That blood pressure that you haven't checked in God knows how long, it should be checked. And okay. if it's not good, it should be treated. Yeah. You know, one of the most devastating uh, consequences of untreated hypertension is actually stroke. Oh, wow. And stroke is debilitating, and, and, and it is something that can very well be prevented mm -hmm. if treated. Know, know what your sugar level is, or your what we call hemoglobin A1C, something to look at a long-term of uh, blood glucose. Treat it if you need mm -hmm. I have a friend who was a physician, and uh, you see, he wasn't feeling well for the longest time. And, uh, you know, he wasn't, like, particularly overweight or there was anything unusual yeah. or unhealthy about him. But he happens to have the genetics to have type 2 diabetes. And he found out that his blood glucose has been high for so long and he didn't even know. Oh, 
Yeah, because you never got a check. You never got a check. Finally, know what your cholesterol is and treat it. Now, there's a lot of bad rep on the internet for the medications that reduce cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And it, without getting into details, a lot of it is true. Mm -hmm. What is not true is the percentage of how often that negative side effect happens, number yeah. one. And number two, what is not true is not recognizing what you're losing. Mm -hmm by not taking the potentially small side effects. Sure. Risk so first again, benefit. exactly. So that that's again a, a shared decision making. It's yeah. gotta be talked about. If something, if we end up with a bad outcome, but you are knowledgeable of your risk and you know what chances you took, that's a whole different ball game than having your cholesterol be high for 10 years, not knowing about it and yeah. end up with a heart attack. Right, and like you said, age kind of does play a factor. Um, and that, no matter if we want to deny it's that or not. not. It's a non-modifiable <laughs> risk factor, people. Non-modifiable. We can't get younger. Not yet, at least. Yeah. So, so basically, just general prevention, like, you know, um, like we talked about exercise and keeping your numbers and keeping your age in mind. That's really great. Yeah. That's, that's great I information. Heard, I, I don't even I, think about that. I heard something that was put in a meme from overseas that mm -hmm. was actually quite interesting. He said, if you're 40, mm -hmm. you know, uh, eat less and exercise more. If you're 50, stop talking to toxic people. Yeah. And I, don't, I can't remember what, what it was. If you, if you're 60, I don't know what it was, but it was it was something like that. So, each year you cut something. Else yeah, yeah. That, each, each decade. But psychology, yeah. actually, you know, being around the negativity is definitely, uh, you know, not good. Yeah, yeah. I and I've I've shared this a couple times, and I get really basic with this. Someday I'll go in depth. But you know, my mom died of stress, and mm -hmm. and I'm a firm believer in stress management, and. That's actually, we can kind of go into that, um, into the rehab mm -hmm. on that note. Um, so I'm the director of your cardiac rehab, which happens to be a lifestyle medicine clinic. It's the only one in Michigan that yeah. we have, um, which is pretty cool. And I'm pretty proud of that. Um, yes. and, uh, and so stress management is one portion of our program, but it's, it's an intensive cardiac rehab yeah. for the medical term. Um, and I like to more talk about it with patients as a lifestyle medicine kind of clinic and a wellness-centered cardiac rehab. Again, I'm very proud that we have that here in Michigan and always honored to be here to, to get to help patients in that manner. Um, because I think, I think as a fitness coach, and you talked about this when I, when I first met you and you hired me, and um, we don't get a lot of opportunities like that. Um, no. To to be able to 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 one of my dreams is to bring the medical field into health and wellness, and this is the really the best step that we have right now. Yeah. That's it. So let let me start by saying, um, uh, if I ever wanted to start that cardiac rehab, it it couldn't have launched or uh, survived despite COVID and mm -hmm. the difficulties that come with it if it wasn't for you. So uh, much respect for your passion on it, for your uh, persistence and, and, and leadership. That really uh, uh, shined through and really held that program together, 100%. Um, secondly, you're exactly right. I mean, the, we have a huge difficulty, and we are in Genesee County, which, you know, we're not the most economically uh, fortunate no. areas. Yeah. Uh, but we have patients that need our help, mm -hmm. and they they don't get that kind of help almost anywhere else. And you just mentioned it. All the state of Michigan does not have 
an intensive cardiac rehab. The focus is on simple, you know, come here, go on the treadmill, do half an hour, you're mounted, go home. None of the other aspects, not the stress management portion, not the nutrition, nor the personal attention to exercise that you provide, yeah. which I can't really give a blanket judgment, but I, I don't see it in all other rehabs. But wouldn't it be wonderful if that model was taken before heart disease happened? Prevention. Prevention. Yeah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would be able to provide that to people who really are struggling in achieving their own prevention mm -hmm. and we bring them and we teach them and we start them with these good habits and then send them over on their life. How much savings to the healthcare system will happen mm -hmm. if, if you take that very small yeah. initial cost in favor of preventing extremely, extremely costly yeah. health consequences? Not only we can't do that, mm -hmm. we can't even get coverage for patients who did have heart attacks, who are in heart failure, who did have bypass surgery. It's the biggest hurdle. Because yeah. just insurance chooses, you know, not to cover. Yeah. And we're not even a prevention at no, this point, like you said. No, um, I, we are, we they have to have some qualifications and have some yeah. diagnosis to, to be able to be referred to our program. Yes. Um, but the prevention part would make sense. Um, in, in all aspects. And that is actually, I think, and this is a conversation in my kind of fitness space and wellness space, is, is that's true health care. Like, you know, when you see somebody that's sick, you know, they say that's sick care. And then there's health care. I think health care is prevention and teaching. And you, you do an outstanding job with patients educating them um, as much as you can with the small amount of time that you have with them mm -hmm. um, on Thank proper you. exercise and nutrition. Every one of the patients that we get from you do say that they've heard you say that or as big as things, you have to stop smoking. Like, they always say, like, Dr. Alcatab's going to be so proud I picked a date to quit. Yeah, we didn't <laughs> talk about that, but you, you brought it up. I mean, this is, the, the, this is not a silent nor a... Uh, a secret or a mystery killer. It's a it's an open out there. It's a killer. Yeah. You know, and uh, I know in Michigan, you know, uh, people also work with some recreational stuff. It's just that the smoking aspect is, is so so detrimental. Oh yeah, and that's and that is actually that's a great point that we didn't talk about, and that's what I did want to talk about is is and I've seen you do a couple segments even on local news stations about even the dangers of vaping, and yeah. we have patients come in and think that that's better and. I 100% look them straight, just like this, yeah. and I, no, don't inhale anything. Yes. Like, yes. that's strongly discouraged. So so there's ways that we help them with that. You know, you guys uh, as physicians can help them, um, you know, with medications and whatnot to try to help them get off that. But that's... Definitely. There are options, but definitely not starting. So kids, wherever yes. you are, don't start. <laughs> not starting is the best way. So again, prevention. And, uh, you know, then... Uh, there are some things that you can do to help, but it really is mind-boggling. You bring up a good point. Mm -hmm. Why is it that all the things that prevent you from doing something bad are not ever covered? Yeah. And, and the only thing that's covered is always the consequences. Sick care. Sick care. And that's, and that's unfortunate because in, in the wellness space, and I would say wellness and fitness space, um, Dr. Alcatel doesn't have much time to be online, you guys, because he's actually out here working. So That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so the fitness and wellness space, there's a big conversation, um, you know, of, of kind of distrust in doctors mm -hmm. because of that kind of holistic mindset. And they kind of think like, 
oh, these, you know, they want to go around doctors because you guys don't have much time with patients. You mm -hmm. can only give them so much. So a program like that preventatively would be amazing because that's something, if you only have 10 minutes with a patient and you, there's a few things, maybe they, maybe they have obesity or maybe they're prone to those types of things. If you could enroll them into a program, that is your second step. That's yeah. where like health coaches can come in with, and you know, and that's a dream. I think you and I spoke before about how can we make this available for the public mm -hmm. and still afford it. Yeah, I mean, because it's not this cheap. Is, this is not <laughs> cheap, guys. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's a hell of a lot cheaper than one single visit to the emergency room. But yeah, people don't you know, see it. Well, it's not that people don't just see it. Also, you know, understandably, people may not afford it. Yes. And insurance companies. Uh, insurance companies have every uh, incentive mm -hmm. to cover something like this in order to save a boatload of cost yeah. down the line. So it is, you know, one of those mysteries and maybe our healthcare one day and our health advocates or and people like you will bring it to the forefront where it will become, ironically, so this is important, Medicare does cover for our program, obviously, if you're sick, not preventive. Yes. yes. I, they do in Hawaii. Yes, I don't Hawaii know how. is the only prevention program. Yeah. Yeah, covered yeah. is Hawaii Medicare. Yeah. yeah. But even when Medicare becomes a managed care plan, they stop covering for it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what we've seen. So we actually have, we survived COVID. Mm -hmm. We have less patients now mm -hmm. than we had pre-COVID. Yeah. With, like because you know Medicare went to uh, this. Uh, Managed care plans. Yeah, so there's. We're not here to talk about our program. We're here but to we talk are about to talk about the program because that's a big. A lot of my listeners kind of know that I do that, but not all of them, and some of them do have questions about that. So, so in our program, we teach stress management, nutrition. We have exercise, and then um, there's the group support. Counseling, yeah, yeah group the support. group support, yeah. which surprisingly a lot of people end up liking um, after you know after a while. So, so that's all kind of the the prevention the prevention part of it. Um, so I guess, lastly, because mm -hmm. I know you have to leave. <laughs> um, Sorry, we'll I'm, do this again. I'm going to have them on again. Don't yes. worry, because I'm sure we'll have questions, and it's always lovely to talk to, with Thank you. you. Um, what's your favorite exercise and way <laughs> to stay healthy? Because you, you, you know, he has some interest in athletics, and, and but what's your favorite way? What's yeah. your favorite thing now, and what would be ideal? Because that's different. For all of us. How about I'm going to change the question so it's not Okay, personal. you can change the question. Uh, I, I think people underestimate walking. Okay. A lot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sorry to put you on the spot, so no, I'm going to okay. reverse this yeah, on you. You can. So, you guys are looking at a top notch athlete who, for reasons that will remain, you know, mm -hmm. her, does not run. Yes. But she does a lot of walking, a lot of stepping, a lot mm -hmm. of incline walking. Mm -hmm. And I think if you want to, if you have the time, if you have the time, mm -hmm. I don't care what speed you do, but walking for more than 30 minutes, mm -hmm. if you're healthy, is amazing. Yeah. And if you are not, and you're not able to, walking in intervals yeah. for any period of time is good. I think we stay healthier if our lower body is able to carry us yeah. and keep walking. Yeah. So 
I think that's that would be my favorite advice. Okay. And I'll leave my, my personal favorite out. Okay. okay. You're not going to share us <laughs> what you love to do. Time, all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, next time. <laughs> Dr. Alcatab, thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, it was a pleasure. It was my pleasure. Um, it's actually a very nice discussion, so we should do it again. Yes, absolutely. We'll have some questions. So don't forget to like and subscribe and share this episode with everybody that could benefit from it, which is everyone alive because we all have hearts. So. <laughs> I hope the left side was my better side. <laughs> yeah, next time we'll get it from the right and we'll compare. All right, thanks, you guys.